Well, surprise. <laughs> and happy Mother's Day. Mothers are amazing. They also have great expectations heaped upon them. They love us before we were born. They love us unconditionally. They lift us up when we're down. They protect us from the storms of life. And they take care of us when we're sick. Does that sound like anyone else that's important to us in our lives? <laughs> no one deserves a special day all to herself more than a mom in today's world. I saw a cartoon that had a psychologist talking to a mom. He said, let's see. You spend 50% of your time taking care of your kids, spend 50% on your husband, and you spend 50% on your job. I think I see your problem. <laughs> Mothers love us. The very essence of the Christian message, message is love. We can all rest in the reality that God loves us. If we could, from the beginning, fully grasp the amazing significance of God's unconditional love for us, our lives would be a radically different journey. It would be a journey of love and joy. However, to accept that God loves us, we also have to accept the reality that God loves everyone else just the same as he loves us. Jesus commands us to love others. And it is clear from the gospel that to an even greater extent, we are called to love the poor, the excluded, and the marginalized in a special way. Let's face it, not all people are easy to love. In our gospel reading today, Jesus gives us tremendous responsibility one that we will have a tough time living up to. The readings define the love that Jesus has for us, and subsequently, the love that we are expected to have for each other. Let's look at a few of those verses again. In verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Folks, that is a pretty high standard. Could we ever love anyone as much as Christ loves us? According to the Apostle Paul, simply put, Christ's love is unmerited and unconditional. Unmerited, meaning it's not deserved, and unconditional, meaning there are no strings attached. You can't earn it. For Paul, this was the very essence of God's love and the kind of love we need to have for each other. How often are we actually willing to give that kind of love? In verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Think about that one for a second. Jesus chose us as well as his disciples. And why? So that we could bear fruit. So what does that mean? Well... He tells us in the very next verse, love each other. We, all of us, are to be disciples, disciples making disciples. So again, a pretty high standard. In verse 13, he says, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 
Jesus was telling us just how much he loved us. That he was going to make the ultimate sacrifice for us. Certainly not because we are worth saving. But again, an extremely high standard. I read a story about a soldier in World War I who asked his officer if he might go out into no man's land between the trenches and try and bring back one of his comrades who was grievously wounded. You can go, said the officer, but it's not worth it. Your friend is probably killed, and you will throw your own life away. But the man went, and somehow he managed to get to his friend, hoist him on his shoulder, and bring him back. The two of them tumbled in together and lay in the bottom of the trench. The officer looked very sadly at the would-be rescuer, and he said, I told you it wouldn't be worth it. Your friend is dead, and now you too are mortally wounded. It was worth it, though, sir, the soldier said. How do you mean worth it, said the officer. I tell you, your friend is dead. Yes, sir, the boy answered, but it was worth it, because when I got to him, he was still alive, and he said to me, I knew you'd come. Jesus is consistent in saying that the love commandment trumps everything else. The Apostle Paul tells us that love is the greatest gift. When asked directly by the teachers of the law in Mark's gospel, which commandment is most important? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is you shall love your neighbor like yourself. There's no greater command than these. When we think about the implications of such a love, we might quietly admit to ourselves, I could never love others to the extent that Jesus loves me. Can anyone actually fulfill this commandment? We all say things like, I loved that movie. I absolutely love cheeseburgers. I love, love, love Ryan Gosling. He's still a thing, right? Okay. I love playing golf. But what do we really mean? Is that really love? How would we define love? I heard about a young mother who felt overwhelmed and was really feeling despair. It seemed like her schedule, family, and demands on her life were too much to handle. She felt like all she did was nag her kids and scold them incessantly. And when she looked at herself, she saw failure. In her despair, she cried out to the Lord and asked for help. As she spent more time reading the Bible, she found the answer she was looking for in 1 Corinthians. Five words in particular leaped out at her. Without love, I am nothing. She realized that life minus love equals zero. So she wrote out those words on stickies and placed them all over her house on a refrigerator, on the dashboard of her SUV, on her calendar, everywhere. And reading them every day, she began to realize that she had love. Her kids loved her in spite of the fighting. Her husband loved her. Her parents loved her. And God loved her. It was wondrous. She was loved. She said, I realized the single most important thing I could do was love my family. So I began to live my life by love began to run my home on love. Acting in love when you don't feel like it 
is actually a greater expression of love than when you do feel like it. Love is getting up in the middle of the night to help a sick kid after you've already had a long day and went to bed late. Love is being patient with your spouse when they're irritable. Love is giving a person what they need, not what they deserve. Love is giving a person grace when they don't deserve it, just like God gives us. What do you think God's definition of love might be? Well, Jesus pretty much told us in today's gospel. It's three things. First, it's following his command. Love means doing what God has commanded of us and now expects of us. Second, it's a choice. We can choose to love, just like God did. But love is not always easy. Acting in love when you don't feel like it is really tough. It's one thing to love when everything is great, and the flowers are in bloom, but the real test of love is in the storms, when things in life are not so great. Life is all about choices. Take it from one who was a virtuoso of poor decisions. Hall of Fame baseball player Yogi Berra once quipped, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Choices. You choose to love in spite of how you feel. Give the other person what he needs, not what you think he deserves. You choose to try and love others like God loves us. And third, God expects us to take action. Every day, God puts opportunities around us to demonstrate love. Problem is, most of the time, we're too busy or distracted or just don't recognize it. How many times have you thought, I need to call so-and-so and see how they are? Or I need to encourage that person in my life group. Or I should help my neighbor with something. But then you missed the opportunity because something else came up. We've either ignored or missed those subtle whisperings of the Holy Spirit. Love takes advantage of those opportunities to serve others. How many of us walked into this sanctuary this morning and thought, gee, I wonder who is hurting here this morning and could use some love? So how do we go about loving as Jesus commanded us? Well, it's not going to be easy. I came up with some ideas that might help. First, we have to love to listen. How else are we going to know that someone is hurting or in need of love? We can't let life's distractions pull us away from the shouts of people in pain or those whisperings of the Holy Spirit. It's not just listening to those around us. God could be telling us to do something for him. We need to learn to listen so that we can hear God when he speaks to us. We need to learn to recognize his voice so that we can obey. The sad truth is that most of us don't listen. Throughout our everyday lives, we go around fat and happy, hearing any, everything we want to hear. Or even worse, ignoring what we hear. My wife accuses me of having selective hearing. If I have something I think is more interesting to distract me, I have the ability to look right at her and completely tune her out while she's talking. I can take in the complete ESPN Clemson football highlights while pretending to hear whatever it is she's saying. Anyone else have that talent? <laughs> I heard a story 
One day, a wife starts talking to her husband while he's watching a football game. He immediately turns off the TV, turns and stares intently into her eyes, listening. Stop it, she says. You're deliberately listening just to confuse me. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not necessarily, necessarily proud of that talent. But you get my point. If we're ignoring each other, what are we doing with God? We are ignoring him. Listening should be easy, right? After all, all you have to do is sit there. Or is it hearing that's easy? Listening is a lot harder. Have you ever been talking to someone and you know darn well that while you're talking, they're busy thinking about what they're going to say when you finally shut up? They're not listening to you. They're just waiting for their chance to talk. Do we do the same thing? And worse, do we do the same thing with God? Are we too busy trying to think about what we want God to do for us that we don't hear him tell us what he wants us to do for him? A couple of good old boy hunters are out in the woods. One of them falls to the ground. He doesn't seem to be breathing and his eyes are rolled back in his head. The other hunter starts to panic, whips out his cell phone and calls 911. He frantically bursts, blurts out to the operator, my friend Bubba is dead. What can I do? The operator, trying to calm him down, says, take it easy. I can help. Just listen to me and follow my instructions. First, let's make sure he's dead. There's a short pause, and then the operator hears a loud gunshot. The hunter comes back in line and says, okay, now what? Listening is not easy. It's easy to hear words without understanding the message. Being a good listener takes practice and effort. Sometimes people just need to know that someone is willing to listen. Not hear, but listen with their heart and with compassion. Folks, isn't that exactly what we want from God? What if God was too distracted to hear us? We have to love to have compassion. We need to get over ourselves. It's not about us or our own agendas. God is telling us that we are all one of the 99 sheep in Jesus' parable described by Luke. He expects us to take care of each other in case he needs to go looking for one that's lost. In Philippians 2, Paul says, Don't be so obsessed with always getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. At some point, we are all going to be hurting people who are in trouble. Without God's grace and the promise of forgiveness, we're all headed for a life of pain and guilt and death. We could all be one of the marginalized. We're all sinful people who cannot buy our own forgiveness or earn our way into heaven. Our hearts need to be broken by the things that break God's heart. We have to love to see. Not just observe, but really see. Are we too quick to form opinions or impressions of each other? Do our biases keep us from following Christ's command? We can never pretend to know a person's history or what journey they have taken to make them who they are. 
just as they don't know ours. But when Jesus looked at people, he was able to see hurt and brokenness and need. That's how we, is that how we look at people? Or do we look critically and with irritation? When Jesus looked out over the multitude, he could feel the healing that needed to be done. What would we do? Complain that there's no place to park? That there are too many people? The lines are too long? Judging is something we all need to guard against. We don't look for the hurt. We concentrate on what's bothering us. When I'm being critical of someone, notice I didn't say judging, my wife will remind me not to judge. And I'll say, I'm not judging. I'm observing. (laughs) I'm not sure she buys that. In Matthew, Jesus says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it like this, judging others makes us blind, whereas love is illuminating. By judging others, we blind ourselves to our own evil and to the grace which others are just as entitled to as we are. We have to love to interact. We can't find out what people need from a distance. We can't be lulled into thinking that we already know. The people who need love most are often the most difficult to love. But Jesus' ministry is filled with examples of him loving people that might seem hard to love. He even made one of them his disciple, Matthew, the tax collector. Nobody was more reviled in Jesus' time than a tax collector. The Pharisees constantly chided him for hanging out with people that were undeserving. He dined with tax collectors and sinners. He protected adulterous women. He taught the story of the Samaritan. We are commanded to love others, even difficult people, those we don't agree with. And lastly, we have to love to help. Be a friend. Give grace. Find a way to encourage. There's a plaque on the Statue of Liberty that says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, the tempest-tossed to me. Is that the attitude we have about immigrants today? Y'all, we're all immigrants or descendants of immigrants. At one time, not too long ago, there was nobody here. Even the Native Americans came from somewhere else. It's that boiling pot that created this great country. They're all out there, and they're God's children. God is hoping, now he's commanding us to love them. Isaiah said, share your food with the hungry, give to the poor, and provide shelter for the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them, and do not refuse your own relatives. Then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun, and your wounds will be quickly healed. Share, give, provide, do not refuse. You think this is a trivial issue in God's eyes? The poor are mentioned in the Bible over 2,000 times. So then to put a bow on this, this common com- or this command, this most important command in the eyes of Jesus, presents quite a daunting task for us. Love one another. 
I hate to break it to you all after you've been so kind to listen to me here today, but you're all difficult people. The good news, you're a difficult person who is loved exceedingly by God. You're a hurting person who Jesus died for. You're a person who needs your burdens lifted by Jesus and could use some encouragement from those around you. We all are. In Matthew 20, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? Sometimes we can't help, but what we can do is go right back to step one. We can listen. We can have compassion. We can see the people for who they are and where they are in their journey. And we can interact and we can pray. About 25 years ago, I tore a clipping from an airline magazine and stuffed it in my wallet, which is still there. But a little girl writing in her journey about her, in her journal, about her new baby brother. And in it, she said, I will care for you and keep you in my heart. And I'll respect you and make you be smart. And I will never let you get out of my dreams come true. And I will love you forever and ever and ever. I think that's what Jesus had in mind for us. That is what true love is. It's love that's there through thick and thin, through good days and bad, through anticipation and rejection. This is what Paul meant when he wrote, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Maybe we couldn't, from the very beginning, fully grasp the amazing significance of God's unconditional love for us. But we can start today. And maybe the rest of our journey can be significantly different. So today, and each and every day, be somebody that makes everybody feel like somebody. <laughs> Lord, today we, uh, we give you thanks and praise for all those that we call mother or mom, mommy, wife, grandma, and for giving them the ability to give us that unconditional love. For truly, truly, it is the mothers and not the warriors that make a nation great. In Jesus' name, amen.